All right. Well, we're starting a new series today. I am, I've been stoked, thrilled, uh, excited uh, to start this uh, sermon series. Uh, you maybe heard the word series here before. You maybe heard about uh, what uh, we're doing here. What we do is we teach in series. So we teach in three, four weeks. Sometimes we'll do a two-week teaching series. Sometimes we'll do a four, five-week teaching series. And uh, what happens is every Sunday is a kind of a standalone uh, message about the whole series. So this series is called All In. And what this series is about is about being a follower of Jesus and what he's calling us to do. So many times in church, we do the programs of the church. You know what I mean? Uh, you want to do the next steps of the church. And uh, that's good. But how many of you know that there is commandments in the Bible that Jesus teaches? And even though it's a program like baptism, it's actually all about being a follower of Jesus first. And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to discover things about being a follower of Jesus in line with the church, specifically the church. And uh, we're going to talk about baptisms. We're going to talk about small groups. We're going to talk about prayer. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of these things that uh, we are going to re-engage as a church, as a body. And uh, we're going to talk about serving. You know, I'm not going to tell you which week that is because none of you guys are going to show up to that week. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be stuck in with the kids. Please don't ask. If you don't like kids, we don't want you with the kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> the kids don't want you in there either, believe me. <laughs> but we're going to talk about how can we engage your passions to serve in our church and in our city. And so I call these sermon series, teaching series, I call them church life, like having the life of the church, you know? Uh, every week you're coming in and you're noticing a little buzz during the greeting time. Start the church, New Song Church is starting to have a little buzz again. Uh, Wednesday night, we had 25 kids for Kids Pack and 10 leaders. And then we had 40 people or so here. Um, so in total, I think we had 70 to 75 people. And then we had this massive circle here. And then we had a, a prayer time after the Bible t uh, teaching. Elizabeth Brown was teaching it. And we had a, a prayer time where people were praying for one another and I took back and I took a picture, and I wish I had time to give it to our guys, but it was just an awesome moment, I think, in, in the chaos of it all. Just to, I came up here, jumped on it, they were all praying for one another, each person, you know, and I just took a picture, and I was just like, everybody ministering to one another at 25, 35, you know, people in the kids' areas, and I was like, you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect for God to move. Yeah. Amen? God's already seeing something. We just need to align ourselves with what he's seeing. And so it was a good reminder for your pastor that sometimes we don't have to force it to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, all we need to do is what God wants us to do. It's not about a vision statement, even though we're going to have a great vision statement. It's not about cool graphics, even though it's, we're going to have some cool graphics, all you young people waiting for this stuff and social media. It's all coming. 
We're going to have an awesome auditorium here with nice speakers and a big projector screen, and we're going to have awesome chairs, church chairs one day. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That was the loudest amen I've gotten today. (laughs) You're going to be padded, and things are going to happen, but it's not about the stuff. It's about being a follower in Jesus, in love with him, and seeing what he's seeing and moving towards that. Everything else is just fancy fluff. We'll do it, but we're not going to do it because of it. We're going to do it because we're a follower of Jesus. Amen? So today I want to talk to you about baptisms and what the Bible teaches about baptisms. I know this is a touchy subject in Pentecostal circles, especially evangelical circles, where we have maybe been taught that because baptism is not needed on your way to heaven, you don't need to get baptized. And as you study scripture, The exact opposite is true. And I'm not talking about getting to the heaven part. I'm saying people getting baptized. People actually getting into the water, submerging uh, themselves with someone else's help and coming back out. In fact, in the book of Acts, 27 times people were baptized right after they gave their heart to God. They didn't even wait. I mean, they didn't have a baptism class on a Sunday night at 5 p.m. and free t-shirts and people celebrating and clapping and a band from Euclid Heights to come and play. And they didn't have none of that. They didn't need to be convinced to be baptized. They just, it was the next step. In fact, I believe it was their first step. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, have you taken your first step yet? And I think that's the part that some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, well, pastor, I've been attending 20 years and uh, everyone thinks I've been baptized, but I haven't. Is it too late? No. Baptism is not a baby step. Baptism is not a fail-safe Baptism is not what you make an 18-year-old go through before they go to college so they're reminded not to go back on baptism with their behavior. Baptism is not a holiness process that you put in. Baptism is a decision that a follower of Jesus makes to say, I am yours. Who is yours? Jesus, not a church not a denomination, not a process, not a checklist, none of it. You're saying, Jesus, I am all in. It's interesting that we've made this a program within the church. I mean, it's amazing. This has become a program, like a next step that you can kind of be, well, I don't know, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't really like getting in a tub and everybody celebrating so I'm not going to do it. (laughs) How many introverts do we have here, right? That it's kind of awkward to just jump in a tank 
that's warm, because that's how we like it here in America. Warm water, because otherwise we're not getting baptized. It's got to be warm. We jump in there, and we go in, we out, and it's kind of weird if you're an introvert. But Bible doesn't say, hey, if you're an introvert, it's okay, don't, don't get baptized. All the introverts are looking away from me right now. Every time I'm scared. And the Bible doesn't say you have to be an extrovert. And this is some kind of joyous moment. No, this is a personal decision. And it really looks public on the outside, but it's about personal transformation. It's about the growth that's happening in your life. Are you more in love with Jesus and then the church programs? Or are you more in love with the church program and then I'll figure out Jesus later? You remember the time when you first gave your heart to God, where everything was just so natural. It was just, you just gave your heart to God. Maybe it wasn't a church service. Maybe it was watching TV. Maybe someone was sharing across some coffee with you. And you had this light bulb moment. And this moment wasn't, I figured it all out. I'm theologically sound. I know the gospels by heart. I know who wrote the prison episodes and I know how to do proper hermeneutics and exegesis and preach an expository sermon. No, that's not what it was. It was just, your will is now my will. I just want to do what you're telling me to do. I love that Jesus, when he's calling his disciples, he didn't say, hey, Peter, here's the job description. Let me see your resume to see if you qualify as a Christian. And then we'll think about it. We'll go take it to the committee. And then we'll decide your fate to see if you can be an apostle. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He said, come and see. That's what he did. He didn't say anything else. He said, come and see. Have we lost our curiosity when it comes to these kind of things? In fact, I would say that most believers today have watered down the idea of baptism. We've just kind of gone ahead and said, well, pastor, I got baptized as, as a child. Do, do I need to get baptized again? Well, I got baptized as a child, too. I was raised Anglican. I got sprinkled. You know, I didn't get the full dive in. They weren't that brave. But, but you know what that is? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that's awesome that you were baptized as a child. I think your parents dedicating you to the Lord is a great decision. And if you're a young parent in here, do it. It's awesome. And we're going to have child dedications here, too. You know, if your child hasn't been dedicated here and you want it to be dedicated, come talk to us. We will dedicate your child. But here's the deal. That dedication is not a personal decision for that child. So if you're here and you're saying, hey, I got baptized a long time ago. I want you to think about this. Could it be that the Lord has this opportunity for baptism and it's coming full circle all the prayers that your parents have been praying for can come full circle when you decide to make a decision to be baptized. Why? Not because of the water, not because of the church. 
but it's a personal decision about what Jesus is doing in your life. So you don't have to be perfect. Well, pastor, if I get baptized in a couple weeks and then I mess up, will the Holy Spirit leave me? No, it won't. Baptism is more about your decision than it is about the Holy Spirit forcing you to do something you don't want to do. So a couple years ago, you guys know I have a six-year-old in my house. She was four. And if you're a young parent, around two, a year and a half to about 18 years of age, (laughs) you have boundaries. You're trying to set up boundaries for your kids. You know, that's what parents are supposed to do, at least. You know, my parents were more like, you better do it or else. That was the only boundary, you know. But I'm trying to be one of those millennial parents, you know, just try to do what's right and explain to this two-year-old. And, you know, anyways. So for years, Aria has been very interactive with me. I mean, she's super smart. You know, I don't know if you've met her. Maybe some of you guys have. And uh, she knows how to work with people and talk with people and communicate. And uh, it was about a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where Audrey and Aria, my wife and Aria, were talking about something. And then Audrey said, hey, Aria, you need to quit being so bossy. And they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Dads, how many of you guys know, like when mom and the kids are talking, you just stay out of the way until mom calls in backup, you know? <laughs> That's what you do. So they're going back and forth, back and forth. And I was just kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, and then Audrey was getting frustrated and here, here comes the cavalry, you know? Aria, quit being bossy. I'm not being bossy. Quit being bossy. I'm not being bossy. Quit being bossy. All right. And I turned around, and as I turned around and was heading down the hallway, she said, Dad, I'm not being bossy. I just make decisions. (laughs) To which Audrey started laughing out loud, and all discipline in that moment went out the window. In the same way, When it comes to baptisms, it is a decision. Your dad, Abba Father, is not upset at you if you were to make a mistake after. Not that your aim is to make a mistake. But we don't abuse the grace, but we also obey his commandments. Amen? Amen. And so if you're here today and you're wondering... If baptism is a next step for you and you haven't been baptized, I'm saying yes. We don't have a quota to meet at New Song. We don't. There is no goal. There is nothing that says we're going to have a baptism each Sunday of the year. It's 52 or 365. We, We have no quota. For this category, it will always be a personal decision that you make and it's private to you so you can celebrate and we will celebrate along with you. That's what baptism is. That's what new life means. That's why as saints of God, maybe those of you who have been with the Lord for a long time, your duty isn't to learn more about Jesus anymore. Oh my goodness, did I just say that out loud? 
You have enough Jesus. If you think about it, the disciples didn't even have the New Testament. They just had these writings. Your duty now is to coach the young and, and the young Christians in our church. If you are over the age of 40 and you are in love with Jesus and you have taken your next steps of faith and you're wondering what in church is going to finally satisfy you and I'm going to tell you nothing in church is ever going to satisfy you if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time until you start helping baby Christians, no matter what age they are, to take their next step to follow Jesus. If you're wondering when your call is going to be activated, I'm asking you, when was the last time you shared your faith with someone who didn't know Jesus? So everybody wants the pulpit time, but nobody wants the preaching time one-on-one with people. I'm asking and pleading for those of you that have been baptized here, to not think that this is a baby step. This is a life-transforming step in someone's life. Have you been encouraging people around you in our church that have made a decision to follow Jesus to take a step of faith in baptism? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. See, we understand that this gift of faith was with grace. It was free. You don't have to do anything at all. But do you understand that there are commandments in the Bible that tell us how we should live as Christians? Matthew 28, 19, it says this, Go, therefore, and make, what? Disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Is that what that verse says? No, we we just bypassed something, didn't we? Kind of looks like most churches. They just get to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, and then teach them to observe all that I've commanded them to do. What's missing here? It's the middle part. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's important that when we baptize people, we baptize them into the embrace of the Father, the love of Jesus who died for us, and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So could it be that this is pretty important. And we just skip it because we're just too embarrassed. Have you heard the hymn um, written? I, I forget exactly the name of it. I wrote it down. It's called I Have Decided. Have you heard that hymn before? It goes something like this, right? If you guys can help me sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. 
no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. The Lord was putting the song in my heart this week, and I was raised Anglican. We, we use the hymn book a lot. And this heart just came into my, this song came into my heart this week, and I decided to, to look at who wrote the song. And uh, as I discovered that there was this um, new convert in modern-day Assam, India, that in the late 19th century, converted by Baptist missionaries who was doing missions work, in that area. As he converted, his family converted, the story goes that the village people of the village were very upset with this conversion. And things got so aggressive that one day they brought the family together. They looked at this man who was converted and they told him, renounce your faith. or your kids are going to be killed. He looks at them and he says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And they kill his children. They grab his wife and bring her up. Say, renounce Jesus or we're going to kill her. And he says, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, and they kill his wife. Upon his profession, the entire village ends up getting saved. After they kill his family, Because of his profession, they believed that Jesus was real. See, sometimes as Americans, we have this tendency to look at obstacles in a very American way. We talk about how cold the water is. We talk about the fact that it's on a Wednesday night, and I don't want to go to church on a Wednesday night. We talk about the fact that there is a baptism class before, and I don't like requirements on me. We talk about the fact that maybe you don't like public baptisms, and you have an opinion about that, or this is not your denomination, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But people are giving their lives for the gospel, I don't mean to be crude and say that you have to do this to be a Christian. No, it is so easy for us here. 
to declare what God is doing in our hearts and our lives is so easy to jump and take our next step and join a small group, go to a prayer meeting, get baptized, show up here on Sunday, and no one's out through the doors about to arrest us. It's become so easy that sometimes we take a back seat and just say, that's not for me, pastor. I'm here to remind you that if you're going to be in union with Christ, If you are going to be a true follower of Jesus, it's not just okay to say yes to his grace, but you have to say yes to his commands too. As a child of God, it's not okay to just say yes to the Father's love, but you have to obey the Father too. This is what Christianity is about. A lot of people maybe have You've heard this before, and uh, you've heard this said before. Christianity, post-salvation, after you make a decision to follow Jesus, is about two things, being washed and being fed. And the Lord asks us to go to the Last Supper and do communion, and we're all okay with doing that, and he asks us to be washed. What's the significance of that washing? As a baby, you had to be washed and fed. How many guys love taking baths? We should be having a lot of amens right now. Because if not, it's kind of scary. If you don't like taking showers or baths, it's kind of scary, okay? Isn't that something we do often? We feed ourselves. Already, some of you guys are like, it's 12 or 7, pastor, hurry it up. My reservation for lunch. (laughs) But what are we doing when we gather together on Wednesday nights and we go to small groups and when we read the word of God and when we have devotions, what's happening? We're eating. Can you go long without eating? Three days? Science? How many days do we go without reading the Word of God or interacting with God's people? I know. But, Pastor, I'm kind of an a la carte type foodie. You can keep the potatoes. I like asparagus, green beans, and steak. Six ounce, please. I don't really need the 10 ounce. So I like to come on Sunday mornings and everything else out the door. You don't get to choose. If you want to grow in your faith, it's all in or nothing at all. Welcome to Christianity 101. (laughs) I know if I was out there, I'm telling you, as I was thinking about preaching this, I'm like, I'm usually the positive guy and everything's going to be okay. and, And I was researching this message. I'm like, there's no way around this. He's an all-in God. Do you want to see a little bit of fruit? A little bit of biblical community? A little bit of life change? What you put into it is what you get out of it. Amen? To be a follower of Jesus, hear me, is to fully obey his clear instructions and, and be empowered by his grace. 
So you heard the song, the cross before me, the world behind me. I think some of us are playing like a little bit of like Russian roulette with that. If, if, if the sound booth was where the cross is, and, and this back wall right here behind me is where the world is, I think if we're honest, we actually sometimes feel more comfortable towards this side because it asks us less. This is why people stop being a Christian, because it's not easy. This is why the Bible teaches us that we are to, what, take up our cross and? Mark chapter 8. 27 and 38. Let's read, read through that. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, this real crowded, popular place. On the way there, he asked them, this crowd of people, who do people say I am? In Atlanta, they used to say, who you be? Who you be? We're like, what? What? Who are you? Who you be, fool? <laughs> Who do people say I am? They replied. Check this. This is the most bizarre answer, okay? Some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist was just killed a couple chapters ago. How weird is this? Like you believe in reincarnation? In that culture? Others say Elijah. Oh, they're, they're the kind of folks that remember yesterday's glory. They're the kind of people that said, oh, 1985, that was my year. 1963, that was my year. Those revivals back then, the Jesus people, all this new stuff, all this new worship, you know. Maybe that's coming back, and that's why revival's coming back, because what was yesterday's manna is coming back. No. And others were like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and guess and say, He's some kind of prophet, I guess. Someone special. He's healing people, so he must be someone special. And then Jesus, typical Jesus, he asks a question, so you walk right into the real question. (laughs) If I was around Jesus, I wouldn't say anything. (laughs) If he asked me a question, I would just sit. I'm not doing this, Jesus. I'm not making you making me a spectacle for you to teach other people about. But what about you, he asked. What do you, who do you say I am? And Peter, there's always a Peter in the crowd. They're like the leader type, the competitive type, the one that wants to be seen and heard. Jumps up with the out refrain, you are the Christ, Jesus, he says. Wow, a fisherman that was called to follow Jesus on the basis of come and see has been revealed the truth that nobody else knew. He wasn't even qualified. And Jesus was revealed to him. He didn't even go to seminary. And Jesus was revealed to him. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. 
He spoke plainly about this. It's like, all right, Peter, thanks for ruining the party. The secret's out. I got to tell you, everyone needs to calm down. This is what's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. And then Peter, the same guy, this is how, this is when I know that God cares about our humanness. Peter takes aside Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine pulling aside the Son of God and began to what? Rebuke him. Who has the guts to rebuke Jesus? But some of us do that. You know how we do that? We say no to his commandments. We say yes to his revelations and no to his commandments. We say yes to his grace and no to baptism. We say yes to community and no to biblical-based community. See, it's a lot more normal than we think. I would never rebuke Jesus. Yet we pick and choose what we want, right? This me included, guys. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Some of us, we need a little chastisement, a little discipline. Maybe you're grown in a generation where your parents did not discipline you at all. We know who you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The reality is this. Sometimes we need God to speak to us just like he spoke to Peter. And doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that he's putting you down the list and you're not going to get a promotion in Christianity anymore. It actually means that he cares about you even more, like a good father does. Now, don't do this to your kids, what Jesus did to Peter. He rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself or herself, take up his or her cross and follow Jesus. I've had to say this every day I'm driving into the office here at New Song Church. That I would not lose a revelation of being in love with Jesus because of the position of the office. And it is hard. You want to know why? Because even a pastor has to pick up his cross daily and follow Jesus. And my world is in these two properties most of the time, around amazing godly people most of the time. Your world is the real world. You are not around godly people. How much more, maybe, do you need to go ahead and pick up your cross and follow him daily and put to death who you are, not because your identity is lost, but the identity in Christ comes alive. That's what baptism is. It's an identification of the seal of what God is doing in your life. In the name of the Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what that is? It's sealing the work of Jesus. And as you go into the water, fully submerged, and you come back out, just like Jesus was in the grave for three days, you are now coming alive, dead to sin. Not perfect, but in love with Jesus. It's a big deal. I really believe that everybody here in this this sermon series, this is what it's about. I believe everybody here, wherever you are in your journey with God, you have a next step. Wherever you are, you have a next step. I don't care if you've been with the Lord for two days or 22 years. You have a next step. And if you think you don't, that's exactly the place that you're going to stop growing. And you don't have to listen to your pastor, but we will have the same conversation a year from now, and the Lord's going to ask you, pick up where you left off. This is not a negotiation between me and you. (laughs) This is a negotiation maybe between you and God. And you have to have it. You have to pray through it. You have to see it through. It's not going to just happen. It's going to take courage. It's going to take daily following him. Luke 9, uh, 23, he says this. You know, I love Luke. He's talking about the same scripture, but it's a different version. Luke's a doctor. How many medical people do we have here? Medical people, anybody? Yeah, we got a few hands going up. Okay, so medical people are on edge about the details, right? So Luke describes this story. And he says one thing different. He says, then he said to them all, Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. What? It's the only word that's different in Luke's story. The word daily. So what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus that's living daily after him? Or what is the progression of being a follower of Jesus? Is there a progression? I think there is. See, the first thing that happens is the come and see progression. It's the crowd. Maybe you guys were in a crusade one time before. Maybe you were in church. This is a crowd. The first step to engaging God and being a follower of Jesus is the crowd. Some of us don't like crowds, but some of us are like, okay, I know what that is. This is what Jesus did. He goes to Peter and says, put the net on the other side. And guess what happens? Fish shows up. And everyone's like, wow, he must be the master fisherman. And Jesus says, in the crowd, come and follow me. Peter's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I guess if there's more fish involved, I'm going. That's probably what he thought. He did not know what this journey meant. The first step is the crowd. So many of us have taken that step already. You come and checked it out. You come and seen that first decision that you made to follow Jesus. You saw, you remember that feeling you saw. The second is the congregation. Come and join us. That's where a lot of us may still be at. You're right here in the congregation, sitting on the white plastic chairs at the Heights campus 
for years, and you are all about congregating in Jesus' name. That's okay. What's your next step? Well, you came, you checked it out, and you heard about Christians, or someone witnessed to you and came into a church, and you said yes to Jesus. At the end of a church service, maybe in private with a person, you said yes to Jesus. You came to church. See, but so many of us stop there, and we're wondering what's next. I've gone ahead and seen this thing. I've seen the Jesus moving whenever they're worshiping, you know, Paul and Tiffany and others, they're worshiping out there. I see Jesus. It's pretty cool. I love how they lift their hands. I love how they're always worshiping God and always you're seeing everything. And then if you're really spicy, you jump in there and you're one of those crazy people too. Next thing you know, you're lifting your hands and you're doing to every program and you're part of the congregation. But there's more. There needs to be a commitment to come and grow. And that responsibility is not from the church only. That is a personal responsibility that you have and that you have to answer to the Lord one day. The Lord's not going to say, okay, how did New Song do in your journey, and how did New Song help you to grow when you get to heaven? That's not what the Lord's going to ask you. The Lord's going to say, how did you grow where you were planted? How did you engage growth in your personal life? Committed, come and grow. We're going to have small groups here in a few weeks. And we're going to start out with five, and eventually we're going to have 10, and 15, and 17, and 32, and 45. Yes, I'm speaking it into reality. <laughs> this church is going to grow, not because that's what we want. More people equals more mess, to be honest. It's going to grow because we're going to be healthy, and healthy things grow. So we're going to have small groups, and we're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting here soon. At the end of this month, we're going to kick and engage fasting and prayer. And some of you guys are like, this is music to my ears. <laughs> we're going to be about prayer because nothing significant happens in the spiritual realm without prayer. We're going to talk about your personal devotion and Bible reading and give you plans. We're going to talk about the journey track. The fastest way to get involved in New Song Church and to be a member and to go ahead and deepen your faith and relationship with God and to influence culture. We're going to teach you and, and send you out. It's going to all happen. But before we do any of that, are you committed to grow on your own? Because if you're not, no program that this church will ever do will satisfy what you're supposed to do because it's a personal relationship with Jesus. Here's the fourth one. And this is in order, I believe. It's the core. Come and serve. Come and serve. See, some of us will serve before growing. And here's the danger in that. It's going to fizzle out. If you don't grow on your own and you try to serve in your community or at your church, you're not going to know who you're serving. 
four. You're going to look at those kids and be like, I, I thought I liked kids. Now I want to drop kick them. <laughs> You're going to look at greeting people at the front door and be like, oh my gosh. If another new person comes in, I can't remember their names. Gosh, help me. Maybe working in the cafe and being like, I, if those people don't stop drinking coffee, I'm going to say something. How many of you love study that she doesn't do that? Amen? And the ushers and all the things that go on, the band, all the practices. I had to go to Thursday night practices to play on the worship team. Nobody else gets to stand on the stage, but I don't really need practice. It's kind of like Allen Iverson. Practice? Pra- you're talking about practice? Some of you guys aren't basketball fans. That was a superstar in basketball that was saying, I don't need practice. See, if we get this in the wrong order, things start to look like it's work. It's no fun. And who wants to do something like that? Jesus is asking us to commit to growing and then come and serve. See, you don't have to be told where to serve. You will just want to. Put me anywhere. I just want to play. I just want to get in the game. See, I was like one of those people in the basketball team. Like, I just wasn't big enough to get in the game when I was in high school. So I just went, just put me in anywhere. 30 seconds, something. That's kind of what, the way it should be. Anywhere that this church needs, I will serve. Why? Because it's about Jesus anyways. This side is really awesome. (laughs) We don't need to be told and wait for the serve projects. In the future, every month, our church is going to serve somewhere in our city. Amen. Amen. But you know what? Yeah, that's awesome. We are waiting. We're waiting. We've been waiting for this kind of a message. But you don't have to wait for us to serve. There's 29 or 30 other days that you can just go to a nonprofit and serve our city. Organize the people in your business. Tell them on Friday, the fourth Friday of every month, we're all going to go and serve a nonprofit. See what that does to your, the morale of your employees. If you have a boss, suggest it. Be the first person to say, I will organize this effort and we will make an impact. And Jesus is going to turn this side of the city upside down. And we haven't even used the word Jesus or invited people into this room. Come and serve is the fourth one. And the last one is this. It's commissioned. Commission to do what? Be famous? To be a New York Times bestseller? To be on the fast track towards the teaching team on Sunday mornings? To be on the board of the church? To be seen on the worship team or to be known for who you are? No, commission to come and die. Welcome to Christianity 501. 
You come in, it's exciting, things are happening, you get engaged in the programs, you're serving, things are happening, and you get to a point in your walk with God where none of those things satisfy you anymore, and that's actually research, by the way. And the only thing that you can do is two things. One is you can end up in a category, a fifth category of discipleship called dissatisfied, or... You can go ahead and say, not my will, but yours be done, God. My whole life, not just my church time, my whole life is yours. I am commissioned by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in Cleveland because you planted me here. And I'm going to make a difference because I am dying and he's rising up from within me. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together for Jesus. So today, this is what it's about, our first step. (laughs) It's our first step towards following Jesus. And I'm going to implore you to think about this for a second. If we all were given a chance as new song people to start fresh, Would we say yes to it? Individually and as a church, I believe we would. Some of us, you still got things that you need to chew through and talk to people about. Some of this is some unforgiveness, maybe in your personal life or maybe across the aisle. But today we're starting from scratch. And we're talking about baptisms. Acts 2.41 says, Those who accepted his message were immediately baptized, and about 3,000 3,000 souls into the kingdom of God. Didn't care about how dirty the water was. Didn't care about the logistics or the graphics. Nothing. They dove in because they met a real Savior. See, the, to follow Jesus and to be able to make this first step decision, you have to follow the example set by Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul, talking about the example of Jesus, he says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 1 John 2.4 says this, someone may say, I am a Christian and I'm on my way to heaven, Pastor Glenn. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to, he is a so why do we do it I'm all up for following the example of Jesus he, he got baptized he was sinless he didn't need to be baptized why did he do it because it's, it's important I believe if he didn't do it we were so smart and we think we're smarter than God we would have said well Jesus never got baptized why should I well I'm telling you Jesus got baptized why aren't you 
Number two, to demonstrate your changed life. Have you taken a moment to make a demonstration of faith? God has done so much for us and we barely do anything for him. Barely. Demonstrate your changed life. 1 Peter 3.21 In baptism we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking Him to cleanse our hearts from sin. That's what's happening. And if you need a fresh start today in your relationship with God, I don't care if you've been baptized before and you're saying, I want to be baptized again. I'm asking you, would you pray right now in your heart? See if this is what the Holy Spirit would ask you to do. Number three, to declare your commitment publicly. I've had the opportunity and the privilege to baptize a lot of people. And one of the things I love to see is when new Christians, new believers get baptized. And they come out of the water, and it is just, like sometimes they come out swinging. It's not because they think they're drowning. It's come out swinging in excitement. And I, I've, we've had photographers in the past, and they will take pictures of that moment. And the person is just like on cloud nine. And I've asked myself the question, have I lost that joy? Have I lost that joy of just, of that moment? And number three, again, to declare your commitment publicly. I had, uh, I had one of our members come up to me um, at the last service, and he told me 67 years ago, he got baptized. 67 years ago, and he's been living for God since, since that moment. How amazing is that? What was amazing was he told me he had some kind of ailment on his knee. And he went into the tank, and he came out. He was not just a spiritually new person. He was healed that day. I don't know what God's telling you. And to be honest, as your pastor, I will encourage you as long as I'm here to take your next steps. To be true to what God's calling you to do. I will never force you to do anything. I will never manipulate you into taking your next step. But I will tell you this right now. If you want to fast track to a growing relationship with Jesus... You start doing what Jesus commanded us to do, and you will be shocked as to the spiritual freshness and the vibrancy and what God can do in and through your life. Amen? I want us to grab that card in your hands as we close today. all in on it. 
There's two kinds of people here today. There are people that have been baptized and people that have not. It's as simple as that. It's none of my business who gets baptized and who does not. But it would be my privilege to be part of it. In fact, I told our board, I said, I I would love for them to baptize people. Why not? Why do I need all the glory? Because why? Because it's about community. So the people that have been baptized before, right now, I just want you to hold this in your hands. And I want you to begin praying in this moment for the people that have not been baptized that they would feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit, and see if the Lord would have that next step for them. If you're here and you have not been baptized, that's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian because you're not. But I believe the Lord may be speaking to you today. And would you allow him to speak to you? So with every eye closed and head bowed, first I want to ask you this simple question all across this room. Every eye closed, please. This is a private moment between people making a decision and not. Please, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're far from God and you've been here and you're listening to this message and you're kind of feeling this nudge in your heart, in your life, in your soul, in your mind, that nudge is not the music, it's not the community, it's not the preaching, it is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. So if that's you today and you're saying, Pastor, I just... I recognize my need for God. Would you just, in your own words, just begin to speak to God? He's not going to rate your language to Him. You could just open up your heart to Him and say, Come and be the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet every person that is far from you right where they're at. Thank you, Father, that you are not only good to us, you also help us to take our next steps. So I pray for my brothers and sisters who may be far from you right now. I pray that you would draw them through your Holy Spirit to a new work, a new salvation in their hearts and lives. Come on, if that's you right now and you're making that decision and you're, you're feeling like God's speaking to you right now, I just want you to, to dive in. We're going to take a couple more moments. Just dive in. God wants to do a new work in you. He wants to pour love all over you. He wants to give you forgiveness so that you can hand it to people that maybe hurt you before. He wants to give you new life and a new purpose.
And there are those in here right now, and you're holding on to this card, and you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And you know the Holy Spirit speaking to you throughout the entire message. And I really believe there's a lot of people here that there's been so many reasons before where you didn't take that next step, but God's saying to you right now, start fresh, but you're worried about what other people would say or think. I want to encourage you as your pastor. It does not matter about other people. You just worry about yourself. And we will celebrate with you in this decision. Maybe those of you here and you're new to God and you're saying, hey, I want to do this. Would you pray for me? So if that's you today and you're saying, hey, I want to make a decision. I have decided to take this next step and take a serious next step. And this is between you and God. This is not between you and me. I just want you to grab your card with nobody looking around. This this is a personal moment. And I just want you to lift your card and I'm going to up in the air. There's cards, a couple of cards going up. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Father, I pray for these people right now that you would seal the work of salvation and transformation. And you would see the faith of your people that they would not be embarrassed, Lord, but they would go fully towards the cross, leaving the world behind. Thank you, Lord, that there's new life in this house today in Jesus' name. You can put your cards down. Come on, let's stand up. Let's just take a moment right now. Come on, worship team, let's sing.